Hello, and thank you for coming to listen to the third episode of Morda Podcast Live. Today's episode is hosted by Fariha from Floral Swimwear, and she is going to be discussing the idea of, that's not modest, why bother? Thank you, Fariha, for talking about this topic. Enjoy. Hi, everyone. My name is Fariha. I'm the owner behind Floral Swim, a modest swimwear brand. I am super excited to host today's episode of the Mauda Podcast Live. This is an interactive live podcast series with guests and members of our communities to candidly talk about the things that really matter to us. the meaningful things with substance, uh, like we've talked about hijab, we've talked about infertility, and today's topic is about modesty, whether it's an all or nothing kind of deal. So before we get into the topic at hand, I just wanted to talk about what Mauda is. So Mauda is a social network for the modest community to celebrate our lifestyle. It connects Muslim women from all over the world, whether it be through fashion, uh, content creators and fitness instructors and so much more. It's a really wonderful community to be a part of. And um, from our discussions in the group, this is one of those series that uh, came to life and it's something I have really enjoyed participating in and I hope uh, you all feel the same as well. So today I have some really incredible guests to talk about the topic that's not even modest, why bother? Which is very close to my heart because uh, life feels like reconciling faith and everything else I want to do in my life. Uh, We have Hafsa Lodi, the author behind Modesty, A Fashion Paradox, uh, and uh, Abdiya from Abdiya Iman to talk about uh, experiences and the narratives around um, the the all or nothing nature uh, that we tend to see in, online about um, about modesty, hijab, and everything to do with that area. So uh, this is meant to be interactive. So if you have absolutely anything to share, if you have thoughts on the topic, please uh, feel free to share. Uh, Send me a request. The floor is absolutely open. This is a place that uh, you can feel comfortable to be uncomfortable, as I like to say. I want to hear opinions, even if they're different from my own, because I think it's really healthy to have these types of conversations. So uh, before we start talking to some of our guests, I wanted to kind of go into a little bit about the topic. And because there's so many different elements that that we could talk about this, but uh, we're talking about a very particular element of this. So, you know, modesty is this important value of our faith, right? Uh, It's a personal matter, it's tied to our faith, and it's not negotiable. And we personally identify with it. So, 
there's a lot of turmoil, I guess, in our communities with regards to uh, what women wear, right? Uh, and I just want to be clear that this discussion isn't about what is factually or religiously mandated, right? So this is about discussing the responses to women about the choices she makes and the sentiment of bringing women down. So I'm talking about the comments uh, that are very much out in the open and so impossible to ignore. Uh, let me give you some examples, right? So why why bother wearing hijab if you're going to show hair? Or turban isn't real hijab? Or why bother if you're going to uh, wear something tight? Uh, who cares if you wear hijab if you're wearing that much makeup? Uh, now it's trendy to take hijab off. Or who's next? Uh, when are you taking it off? On one end, I think there is this sincere, genuine concern looking out for the well-being of other women and their relationships with their faith. And on the other end, it battles this um, distinctly demeaning, rude, ugly response under the cover of religion. You know, uh, these are comments that go all or nothing. They are intentionally meant to create drama, sensationalize issues, create insecurities, and aggravate others. They, uh, if the intent is to help, it is not clear from those types of comments, right? So I, I really like to see the best in others, and that's where, you know, I want to start. And behind it all, I do think there is this sense of frustration, uh, of seeing the Ummah, the Muslim community, going in a direction you worry about. Uh, perhaps setting the wrong precedent, uh, and you feel powerless against it. Right? Maybe it can come across as like a domino effect and you have to have to say something. But can't we do so much better than those types of comments? Um, you know, those types of comments are meant to be intentionally um, inflammatory. They are meant to get a reaction. You know, I get the sense that even if people don't intend to, people don't really care about driving people away from faith. And, uh, you know, the main response to those types of comments is if you're looking for a reaction, is to get that reaction. People are going to feel upset. They're going to feel hurt. They, uh, you know, they're going to disregard that type of advice, uh, even if it comes from, even if there is a good and genuine point, it gets lost in that type of, uh, in that type of comment, right? Uh, we could have hour-long conversations about the the nature of of the actual like point. Like for instance, I would love to talk about modesty and makeup and how that fits into faith and how we can um, 
like how we can do better or like what we can do different in terms of that. But there, there's no way to have those types of conversations if, uh, if it's just to kind of tell somebody off for saying like, uh, like, why are you wearing so much makeup with that outfit? Like, you just shouldn't do that. You know, it's, uh, it just, it's, it's not meant to have a conversation. And it's, I, I think we can just do so much better than that. So, um, <sighs> the other point I did want to say as well is that negativity never gets results in anything in life. It's, sincerity that gets, um, you know, pe people are inspired by sincerity. It's what drives people to be their best selves and inspires that desire to get closer to God and faith. Uh, those comments, on the other hand, feed this uh, frankly arrogant desire to feel better than other people in uh, the external demonstrations of faith because there there is no way to know uh, what's going on internally. It's always a lot easier to point out what is happening on the outside and you never have the full story in, in that way, right? So uh, in the end, with all that said, there is a real woman behind all of these problems and all of these issues and all of these comments and sometimes we can forget that in the moment and I'll, I just want to talk to real women about it so uh, without further ado let's just get straight to it uh, I am going to invite Hafsa who is the author behind Modesty, a fashion paradox, a journalist who has been covering fashion in the Middle East for the past decade and has a lot of uh, really interesting insights. And uh, I, I was reading her book this uh, past weekend and I am just so excited to talk to her about um, her her understanding of the topic and uh, analyze how like social media has been part of this like vehicle of the modest fashion movement and what it means on a going forward basis of some of the things we're seeing today and what uh, kind of the future looks like. So let me just invite Hafsa. Hi Hafsa. Hi. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Great. Uh, thank you so much for doing this so last second. <laughs> yeah, it's a topic that's really close to my heart as it is to yours. So um, you really yeah. spoke well in your introduction about all of these. Um, I like how you used the word turmoil because there is so much turmoil surrounding this topic um, of what's modest, what's not. And it's a very personal mm -hmm. thing. So I'm really excited to be discussing this with you. I'm so glad. Uh, yeah, there's, I think, nothing more um, controversial than what women wear, apparently. So, um, <laughs> there must be. <laughs> uh, so, I was wondering if you could start off with explaining a little bit about yourself, your background, your book, and uh, mm -hmm. what modesty means to you. Yeah, of course. Um, I am a Pakistani American. I lived in the States up until the age of 14. And then I moved to Dubai. And I've been kind of here ever since. Um, but I went to Toronto for university for my bachelor's in journalism. And then I went to London to study Islamic law at SOAS University. And then I came back here and I have been reporting about fashion and culture 
in the Middle East and beyond for the past 10 years. And then two years ago, was it two years? 2018, yeah. Um, I was commissioned to write a book about modest fashion by indie publishing house Neem Tree Press. Uh, and so it was kind of like a dream come true because I've always been writing about modest fashion for various newspapers and magazines since it kind of became this big trend in 2016. So um, it was published this summer. This is the book, Modesty of Fashion Paradox. It stars Maria Dusi on the cover and it kind of um, explores all of the different kind of tangent discussions you can have from this topic of modest fashion, such as the politics of covering up the feminist angle, the cultural angle, the social media angle, which is which is why we're even discussing a modest fashion movement in the first place is because of social media. So bloggers, um, designers, all of these modest fashion entrepreneurs. Um, and yeah, that's kind of, it kind of discusses the future of the industry, um, why modesty is trending now with international fashion houses and designers and where we can expect it to go um, in the next few years. That is so comprehensive. Um, I'm so glad you got the opportunity to do that and appreciate all of the um, all of the efforts in it. It's I think such a meaningful meaningful topic because it's so important to um, all of us because it is like something we we grow up with and it's uh, it's a relevant part of our lives. Yeah, definitely. So I was thinking of like some questions to ask you and I was just like really just excited about some like top like things that I, I couldn't explain myself and I really wanted your your insight on them. So uh, one of those questions was um, uh, it's kind of that idea of the fact that modest fashion influencers are held to this extremely high standard and responsibility in terms of modesty. Uh, so for instance, uh, for ones who uh, have made decisions perhaps to not uh, wear a hijab anymore, uh, it turns into this almost evil depiction that they took advantage of their audiences for fame and fortune even though in in my opinion i think there was always a sincere uh efforts to build the modest fashion industry to do what they wanted to do uh in a way that was comfortable to them and so my question is just like why is there such a struggle between personal choice and influence and fashion and modesty yeah, it's a very good question and it's very topical right now. And I mean, I'll just go ahead and name them. The two, I mean, probably most popular pioneers of the global modest fashion blogging movement were Dina Tokyo in the UK and Asi Al-Faraj in Kuwait. And they were kind of the first women to really, um, first visibly Muslim hijabi women to go out there and show that you can be fashionable and a woman of faith. And they kind of built up these hundreds of thousands. And I think they're, they've surpassed a million followers. Um, they did all these hijabi tutorials on YouTube, which is I think how Dina Tokyo gained her fame. They've been invited to fashion weeks across the globe. They've, they've been to like Milan and Paris. They've had all of these amazing high-end brand campaigns. And yes, they really they really made a living out of um, their their kind of modest fashion brand, which which was tied to the hijab because they were covering their hair. And recently both um, coincidentally uh, started showing more hair and then removed the hijab altogether. Um, and it, it caused a social media uproar. 
amongst Muslim women, amongst their own sisters in the faith, which is honestly, frankly, um, really sad. It's, it's just, it's really sad that I'm not saying it's sad that they took off their hijabs. It's sad that we reacted so strongly as, you know, their, their Muslim sisters. And I do have to, I, I explore this in the book a bit. I actually, the book had been um, all sent off to the publisher for printing. And then both of these women took off their hijabs. So I really felt like I had to edit it and just include that in there somehow. Um, but I do, I do understand um, the perspective of hijabi women who are, who are a bit let down by the fact that these women uh, no longer wear their hijabs. And I interviewed some of these women in the book. Um, they felt that growing up in the West, there was no positive representation of Muslim women in the media. And for them, women like Dina and Asia and many others were kind of were these amazing role models who, who really helped a lot of these women who were struggling with hijab and struggling with being in the public and struggling with um, you know, having that fashion forward identity, but still being a woman of faith. So these women really helped, um, help them in, in many ways. And so now that they had kind of distanced themselves from the hijab, these women felt kind of um, let down. And I, I think in extreme cases, people said, oh, you, you know, yeah, you made a brand for yourself around the hijab and, and now you're not even a hijabi, like you're, you're fake or whatever. And I think, I think that frankly is ridiculous for us to, assume that they were kind of deliberately manipulating us all and using the hijab just to profit off of it because I mean that wasn't the case and also now we have so we have hundreds of thousands of other hijabi influencers on Instagram they're all over social media it's not like the only two hijabis um, to make it big are gone now and not in the realm of modest fashion and I know some of some of these women who may have started t wearing hijab and then took off their hijab many of them still consider themselves modest fashion um, consumers and, and fans and wearers. They're still Muslim women at the end of the day. And um, so, yeah, I think, I think it's, it's really ridiculous that, that we Muslim women have such a strong reaction to women taking off the hijab. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's interesting that you said that uh, it was like a, co a coincidence that they might've taken them off at the same time, because uh, one of the things I've thought is that um, there's never necessarily a reason given as to why they do choose to take it off, that uh, you, it's always kind of left to speculation. And since it's kind of left to speculation, it is just that, like it's there, it was like a choice and they made a different choice. And um, in my opinion, it's, uh, it doesn't make sense to come up with all of the reasons that they could have because we could never know what was going on in their personal personal lives or what what led them to that decision. Yeah. I'm just adding to that. I mean, just to, even if you don't wear the hijab as a Muslim woman and you're asked, um, why do you not wear the hijab or why why do you dress this way? It's often very hard to um, to say in words that, you know, factually, I believe this or the Quran says this or this is what I believe. And I believe this interpretation. And it always it always kind of starts this big um, like debate. And it's very hard to articulate sometimes your own uh, modesty guidelines. So for them, it, it also must be it also must be difficult. And it's also very personal. And. I believe it's none of our business why they chose to. I mean, some of them may have gone through personal, um, you know, situations in their life that in that that you know led to them removing their headscarves. But I, yes, they have public personas, and yes, they share a part of their lives on Instagram with us. But that doesn't make us um, 
deserving to see their entire lives or why they, you know, why they make every life choice. And I think this kind of leads to, um, I mean, this is kind of because we as Muslim women, we put modest fashion bloggers, especially hijabi bloggers on this pedestal. Like we, we project this role model um, label onto them. And I just wanted to read something from, um, from my book, if that's okay. It's one of the hijabi uh, bloggers who I interviewed in the book. Her name's Saira Arshad. She's based in Toronto. She's amazing. You have to follow her on Instagram. Her, on Instagram, she's Shazera. So I, I talked to her about, um, you know, about do you feel like you're an ambassador of all Muslim women just because you're a hijabi and, and you're, you're on social media? And she said, uh, it just happens that I'm Muslim and it just happens that I wear a headscarf. I would never go out of my way to make a point about the hijab. My faith is my personal choice. I'm struggling just as much as the next Muslim, whether, I sh- whether or not I show that on social media, which I don't. And then when I asked her if, um, you know, if, if, you're, if you feel like you're kind of an icon representing all Muslim women in the world because you have a social media presence, she said, that's like putting the weight of the whole religion on my shoulders and I'd rather not have that. I'm just here to say, hey, I'm having fun. And just because you're Muslim or a modest fashion dresser or wear the hijab doesn't restrict you from doing whatever you want to do. Want to travel solo? Go do it. Go live your best life and dress however you want to. You know, I mean, like at the core of their, there's no um, kind of ulterior motive at the core of each of these modest fashion bloggers. There's just, they're just young women like us using social media to kind of um, portray parts of their lives. So we kind of project too much onto them, too much pressure and too much responsibility. Yeah, that is such a good insight. Yeah, it's not... um... Like, it's not all about us. Like, it's like, this is like somebody else and it's their experience. And there's a lot more to, to it than, to it than that. Yeah. Um, and, and then I had a, another question um, then of what do you think that like the future of modest fashion is? Is it here to stay? Can this industry withstand these uh, personal choices by these influencers uh, if they make different choices? Are we uh, are we seeing this precedent like leading to the downfall of modest fashion and hijabi fashion and everything as we know it, or is there is there more to it than that? Um, yeah. So I would first say that. Um modest fashion, although kind of the faces of the modest fashion movement are mainly Muslim, mainly hijabi women, modest fashion is much bigger than just us Muslim women. There are so many Jewish and Christian women around the world and completely non-religious women around the world who are um, modest fashion consumers who prefer to dress modestly. And they've been around for a long time. It's just now that modest fashion has become this big thing because of these financial projections about Muslim spending power and kind of um, globalization in that kind of sense. So I think definitely, I think a few women taking off their hijab has no um, bearing on the the state of the modest fashion industry at all. Like the modest fashion world is so much bigger than that. The movement is so much bigger than that. Um, and this modest fashion is definitely here to stay. It's It, it kind of started surfacing in, in 2015, 2016 with hijabi models like Halima Adan and now all of these modest fashion influencers on social media, but 
it's um, it's been growing in volume and movement and voice ever since then. There are so many more hijabi and non-hijabi Muslim models and social media um, personalities and fashion designers and entrepreneurs, uh, Muslim and non-Muslim, who are really taking this industry to the next level. And I think um, the question is not about is modest fashion here to stay. It's it's what will modest fashion look like in the next five to 10 years? Will it still be called modest fashion or are we kind of getting bored of that buzzword and will modesty just kind of be seamlessly integrated into the rest of the industry? Is it gonna be more focused on sustainability and ethical fashion rather than just uh, conservative skin covering cuts? So definitely, I don't think, I think this is a very, um, small inter-community problem that we have as Muslim women and men who think that they have a say on what Muslim <laughs> women, um, I don't think it, I don't think it will affect the, the movement at all. Okay. I, I think that's imp really important to um, keep that outer, outer look on because I think people can get like caught up in like, like what's going to happen. And it's, um, I think they like created this space for everybody. So, um, it, and if you don't see what you want to see, then there is like now like a like a word or like um, ways to find the people that uh, care about the same things as you do. And it's even if uh, some of the original figures might have uh, made some different choices up into at this point it doesn't mean that like that's that's the yeah. future of this like it's um it can be whatever muslim women want it to be yeah and something that's also important is that this movement is about inclusivity and these hijabi bloggers and pioneers of the the movement what they were fighting for um over the past 10 years and whenever they started was kind of a space for themselves in this industry. And that space has been carved out and it's there, it's not going anywhere. So, and it's, it's there, but there's a whole spectrum of other, you know, definitions of modesty and inter interpretations of modesty. And they've been um, championing inclusivity at the, at the end of the day. So it's inclusive to all of us, not just to a certain, um, a certain demographic or a certain uh, meaning or definition of modesty. Yeah, that's so important to keep in mind. Uh, thank you. Um, and then my last question was, um, what's your personal advice to uh, women when it comes to modesty and uh, making those choices that they feel comfortable with and, in terms of going after what they want? So as women more than men, we often face like multiple pressures from society and family and friends and now social media. And I think at the end of the day, we have to kind of strengthen our hearts and our, um, our minds. And we have to be not only confident, but comfortable with, um, with everything, with all of our life choices and how we dress is, is one of those life choices. And it's actually very small in the, in the wider scheme of things, but it's the, it's the cause of so much anxiety often because so much focus in the community and outside of the community is placed on how Muslim women look and how they dress. Um, so I think, I think the most we can do is just um, arrive at a place within our hearts uh, where we're comfortable and confident with our decisions. And how do we get there is, is we and research and, um, and pray, you know, and, and um, have your own relationship with God and have your own relationship with 
yourself, be true to yourself and have that um, ability to stand for what you believe in, whether or not it's the same thing that your family or your culture or your friends or your Instagram buddies are, are kind of preaching. Every, every woman is different and, and you'll find your own place uh, in this whole spectrum of beliefs. That is such great advice. I, I completely agree. It's, um, I think once you get over like the, the initial hump of like that anxiety and just know that whatever you want to do in life, it's, it's possible. Um, and, and to just go for it. I think that's, um, important part of, I think, developing as a, as a woman to Mm -hmm. kind of be able to contribute just as we all have the potential to. Yeah, definitely. So thank you so, so much for your time. Thank you so much for doing this so last second. Um, I really appreciated your insights. Um, is there anything else you'd like to say? Uh, go buy my book. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's available, it's available on Book Depository. It's available on all these uh, major book platforms. We launched in the middle of COVID, so it's been, it's been really tough. <laughs> I can imagine. Um, that's my uh, reading goal for the next week to, to get through. I was just like picking random chapters, but um, I, I look forward to getting through it in, in full. So thank you so much. Thank you. Bye, Hafsa. Bye. Wow, that was so insightful. Thank you so much to Hafsa for, for giving her thoughts about that. Um, the, the next uh, item of discussion was uh, to talk about uh, this Islamic concept of Nasiha. So um, I think it's like something we all like know of, um, but sometimes I don't know how much we actually apply it in our our lives and so I think um, in terms of like when I was going through the like principles of Nasiha I, I just thought these were such uh, profound principles in terms of giving advice to um, other people and so I you know I, I just wanted to share like some some of those principles that uh, I think like they're, they're applicable in anything that we do in our lives. And if we're talking to somebody who isn't Muslim or who is Muslim, like, um, it, like it's based on the, the, the whole concept of being sincere, right? Like, say if you're at work and you're trying to give feedback to a coworker, um, it, if you come from a place of sincerity instead of, like, aggressive criticism, one, one way will probably work... Uh, a lot more effectively than the other. So uh, some of those principles are things like um, not uh, slandering the person that is being advised. Um, If it's like coming from like a bad place, like that's uh, not consistent with the principles. Um, It's supposed to be given in secret. It's supposed to be given privately, one-on-one. Uh, because what is going to be most effective? A random comment in somebody's Instagram post uh, so that they feel embarrassed and called out for, or is something more effective if you kind of acknowledge somebody privately as, you know, the person that they are, the struggles that they have, and, um, you know, 
have like an honest like back-to-back conversation in uh and like actually like take into consideration what it is that um led to certain decisions or what they're struggling with and you know uh like i i think in a common sense way that just makes so much more sense so then what does leaving a comment on someone random uh instagram post uh going to do um and the is also meant to be given with kindness, uh, gentleness, um, right? Like that's, uh, like it's coming from the type of intention that you have, uh, taking into consideration the, the other person on the other end uh, and how they're going to take it. Uh, you're also not supposed to uh, compel somebody else to follow your advice. Um, at the end of the day, you can't make anybody do anything. Uh, that's whether you're Muslim or non-Muslim, when somebody has an issue, that's uh, their responsibility to uh, do as they like. You can always give advice, you can always um, be there as support, but uh, when it comes to actually doing things, it's left to that individual and it's best not to get caught up in trying to fix uh, other people. And also choosing the proper time to give nasiha is important in terms of um, maybe it might not be relevant right now, but after a bit of a cool down period, maybe it would be received better. You know, it's uh, it doesn't have to be this like, uh, all or nothing, like somebody has done something wrong and the next minute they have to go back to uh, doing the right thing, whatever that is. We're human. We can make mistakes. We, uh, that's part of being human, that we make mistakes. So um, I think it's just important that uh, everything that we do, if it comes from a place of sincerity, that it, I think it would just be so much better for, for us uh, and for the person that we're we're trying to help, so uh, that's that's a little little primer on Nasiha, and I uh, is Abdia. Hi, Abdia. Wow, that connected really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? I'm good. So um, good. I'm enjoying the live so much. Yeah, I'm. I'm really enjoying it. Thank you. How, how are you feeling so far? Like, one moment. Really good. I loved everything Hafsa had to say. Um, I, uh, you know, looked into like the details of Nasiha and I was just like yeah, blown away. Yeah. I mean, I agree uh, with like everything that you just said. Mashallah. So, like, there, there's, a, there's a good way to approach real problems and um i think our faith just gives us like those guidelines and it's just totally. like like we don't have to figure that like all out from scratch like you know the it's great concepts that we should apply to our lives and everything that we do and whoever we deal with yeah i think um in terms of like what you're saying about putting influences on a pedestal i mean like i felt the repercussions of that you know as um a content creator influencer whatever you want to say like i'm not like the best at it but um you know we try we try um but in terms of like people 
setting standards for you i mean every day every day like people you know when you were saying about commenting on instagram posts you know i almost wanted to just like write in the comment section here but i thought maybe if people don't know me they might misinterpret what i meant but um you know that's not hijab or you know you need to cover your neck or um you know you're 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 um influencing girls to to the haram um and all these kind of comments and that's in the comment section i mean like don't even get me started on dms um oh and, really uh, oh yeah oh no yeah. um i mean full on like you know hadith quran um and then filled with their own opinions in and out um and i think like one of the important points to say here is like we're not denying that hijab is mandatory like we know and you know sana saleh did quite a funny tiktok video this week saying like you know you don't need to tell women you can see their neck or you can see their hair like they know that's not full hijab um and if you're telling them now don't think that 40,000 people haven't told them before you know what i mean and they still decide to show their neck like i do um i'll show some of my hair at the front like i choose i choose to do that because like that's where i am in my modesty journey um and i'm grateful for where i am and if i woke up every day and i put on my turban and i see my neck and i feel crap like i'm not going to be in a grateful state like i'm not in like i want to have good like high vibrations like positive you know positive energy around me and i don't want to wake up every day and feel bad for my choices like i want to aspire to be better of course but i need to uh, acknowledge what allah has given me um and you know just to say something more about nasiha often people that give nasiha few years later they can also be tested with the same things that they were um you know telling people off about so it is a very tricky area i would be like so careful when giving nasiha because the people that have given me nasiha I've seen it actually reflect back onto them and they're also going through the same struggles that they see me to go through. And I say <laughs> see me to go through because I don't feel like it's a struggle. Um I don't feel like I mean if I if I like um wanted to wear hijab like I would wear it, you know? And Allah puts that want in your heart. So Yeah, just like when it comes to nasiha, I know most people are uneducated about it when they make those comments. Um they I I hope they're uneducated about it because if they are educated about it like that's like 100 times worse. Um but yeah, it's something that we I mean this conversation is so important. So thank you yeah. for doing it. I I am enjoying it. Uh, I really think it's so important to like appreciate where it is you currently are. If like the but in Spain they have a few sayings that are racist and actually derogatory to Muslims and most of the time people don't recognize them. So even the Muslims are using them not knowing. Mm-hmm. Um I found out there's there's a um a surname of a famous celebrity here called Mata Moros. His name is Mata Moros, which means literally means kill Mors. Really? I mean, wow. And I was like, 
how have they not banned that surname? Like, I was like, what? And like, and I have to say his surname. Well, I don't have to say it, but like people have to say his surname and like openly. I mean, I just couldn't, I just, and you know, and when I said it to someone who's funny, I said, oh yeah, that, that is so, such a weird surname. I've never thought about it before. So sometimes we don't realize, um, we don't, he doesn't even like, like the penny doesn't drop. And there's a lot of the time with like, um, yeah, language sayings and things like that. That's so, until yeah. you point it out that nobody will know. So absolutely. Um, I think we should just have like much higher standards for, for this kind of thing. Yeah. And, you know, protect, protect our community, you know, let's protect each other, like socially, but also like, you know, mentally, like let's protect each other's hearts. You know, we want to be a strong ummah. We want to be, we want to be full of love and peace and tranquility. And by calling people out publicly and putting them down and making them feel awful about their decisions or trying to make them feel awful, um, you are not helping that cause. Um, you know what I mean? Like we are going to be stronger and um, more mentally prepared for this crazy world that we live in if we, um, um, if we help each other. Yeah, my sister, Malika, she said it was an honorary name given to someone who killed many Muslims. Like, that is such an disgusting, disgusting thing. And, I mean, of course, like, we can't get him to change his surname, but we can be aware. Um, yeah, so important to look after each other and showing that what exactly. Like, we want to reflect, like, a good, like, we want to be a good um, representation of the deen and Islam. And, you know, and I think love is the most important part, like, way before where, how many how how much your body's covered like you know my sisters you know and I know so many people so many people that do not wear hijab and they have made da'wah way more than I have like I mean Allahu alam but they're they're and and actually like the situations that they've been in or whatever have you know and also it's quite interesting because like people at the, at the get-go wouldn't have necessarily known that they were Muslim, but they knew that something was diff different about them and which made, you know, it was intriguing and, you know, and come, have come to Islam, have come to Islam because of them, you know. Um, I have chills from that. <laughs> it's very common, you know, and I think people, and then what? But still, they're not really, you know, um, good Muslims. It's like, hold on a sec, like, we have no idea. And I think, you know, for some people, for me, I don't have any issue with wearing this turban. I feel like it's on the path to something like bigger. Um, I wear it with the intention of pleasing Allah. Um, I, I don't like, I've, I wore it way before I started my fashion sort of journey. Um, I definitely wasn't fashionable back then. Um, <laughs> but you know, um, I wouldn't then take away from someone else who's really struggling to even like, you know, wear, cover their shoulders or, you know, wear something past their knees and because of maybe the situation that they live in or um, the climate or simply because they don't understand and they don't want to. Do you know what I mean? Like, and Allah has put that in their hearts in the same as he's put something different in other people's hearts. So... 
Yeah. Yeah. There could just be so many, so many reasons and our priorities and um, like a focus that's not like primarily rooted in character, I think is so um, unfortunate that, uh, but I think it's still really important to focus on the, the people who are doing it best, like the ones that we are seeing like handling this right the ones like I think it's so important to be able to find communities where women are actually supporting women for instance I think it's so important that um we we internally are also doing the best that we personally can there might not be a lot that we can control in what other people are doing and how other people might react but uh our own I think reaction is um like the most important of all and that uh if you are that example that I think can spread to to everybody else. So I um uh, that's why I appreciate being part of the the Mauto community like so so much because that is what it is. It is such a positive um environment where women actually uh I mean there is nothing like female friendships right yeah. like women supporting women is the the best thing and i'm so glad that this is something uh that we are very fortunate to have so um oh, I, I i'd like to say and like these conversations we need to do more and more and more of them and i'm so so glad that we've started this mortar podcast live because it's so important that we are drowning out the voice, I'm sorry, but I'm so upset with some influencers, content creators who have decided to create videos on YouTube, um, on Instagram about how other people have taken off the hijab. And again, it's one of those things. It's like you're trying to um, give good advice to your audience. But at the same time, one, you're drawing attention to something that you're not fond of and um, talking about someone basically behind their back. You don't mention her name, but we all know who you're talking about. Um, and at the same time, um, you are, um, you know, like bringing someone down that you actually friends with, you know? And, and again, like you said at the beginning, like you don't know why they've done that because they haven't said, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like they haven't given that up, that information and rightly so, like it is so personal. Um, so that's why it's so important that, you know, one, like we create more content so that our content is seen more than those people because um, I think it's so damaging um, and it doesn't. And again, like who knows in a year's time, you're not doing the same thing. Like who knows that? I don't know whether tomorrow I'm gonna put my turban on. Do you know what I mean? So how could I turn around and start creating content, drawing attention to someone else that has done that? You know? And I've seen it many times where, like, people come back from Umrah, they start wearing the hijab properly, maybe before they were, like, wearing turban, hairs out. And then they do posts on, like, how, um, you know, I wasn't wearing it properly, stuff of Allah, may Allah forgive me. Three months later, they're back where they started. No judgment. MashaAllah, they're still trying their best. Absolutely. But just remember what you said. Like, you know, so, you know, let's 
let's um, create content that is, is this type of content is, you know, like raising people up, making people feel that, um, you know, mashallah, you're trying your best. You know what I mean? Like, you know, Fariha, you don't wear hijab, but you've created a modest swimwear line. Like, that's an incredible service to the Muslim community. And you are helping so many women um, complete, like, um, you know, please Allah. Like, let's just say it how it is. Um, because so that's what the point is. That was always <laughs> what the intention was. It was... Uh, I have a faith-based reason that I dress a certain way and I still want to do the things that I want to do in my life and clothing can't be the thing that gets in the way of that and uh, alhamdulillah if I have the means to kind of uh, do something that I don't see um, that I, I can go for that that I can create the things that lets me do both that I can do what I want and uh, keep my faith, and uh, there is no contradiction with that. That yeah. I don't have to compromise that. I think no. that is so important. And no matter what uh, what modesty means to you, because it can be so influenced by so many so many factors. Uh, at the end of the day, whatever it takes to do what you want, I think is the is the goal. Mm. But yeah. And again, you know, like Hafsa said at the beginning, you know, just because someone takes off their hijab or doesn't wear hijab at the beginning, it does not exclude them from this space at all, <laughs> at all. Um, and actually, we should be encouraging each other to stay within this space, to stay, um, you know, because we do have like um, standards, you know, we have, you know, you're not necessarily going to have someone in bikini as part of the modest fashion space. Um, so, you know, by keeping each other close, by keeping each other's company, by keeping, you know, um, giving each other um, advice that is with sincerity, like you said, um, we are protecting one another and encouraging one another. And I don't feel like um, by spending time with people that don't cover as much as you do, you're going to be pulled down. I think it's absolutely the opposite. Yeah, people either identify with that modesty descriptor or they don't and the ones that do uh it's it's meaningful in the way that they go about the things that they pick out and how they put together an outfit and who they're thinking about in in that moment and that's a meaningful choice mm -hmm. and it can look different across different religions um it, th there's just so much to it that um Having that space for for all of it is such a important thing, and I I hope that people are more uh, receptive to understanding how how big it is and how how great it is to be able to have this space mm -hmm. and industry and ability to find others and be able to uh, connect because in my opinion it's it's faith that brings us all together even if it looks a little bit uh different for different people and isn't that just like such a wonderful thing yeah absolutely and you know remind yourselves that you know remind yourselves of people that don't um don't you know like cover covering your body is a part of faith yes it's not everything you know there's so many point parts in our faith that we need to concentrate our time on I know loads of women who, when they go to the beach, 
they will, you know, go to a quiet place and they'll wear their bikini or not even in a quiet place, like full in public. But when it's time for the prayer, they'll go and pray. Is that, is that hypocritical? Like that's something that you have to think about, but I don't think so. I think that, you know, their prayer is valid. What they're doing outside the prayer, um, you know, that is also what they're going to have to, um, you know, be accountable for or whatever. But how do you know that, like, you know, we all, we all do wrongdoings. Like, we, I don't like to call them sins, um, but we all do, like, wrong actions in our lives. Um, and, you know, who knows what your, your wrong actions will be? And, you know, are they so wrong that we need to treat people in an awful way like that, you know? Um, really, what's important is what's in our hearts, um, and like Sana Saleh said, like a couple of weeks ago, someone could take off their scarf and their iman could go up, and someone could put their scarf on and their iman could go down. So, you know, what I mean, I think, um, yeah, that's all. Thank you for speaking about the topic because of recent years, I've had the feeling that this is uh, what Islam has been. Yeah, like I think we can all see it, and um, I think unless we, I don't know, talk about it with common sense and the uh, the principles of our faith that, I don't know, like the, the kindness that we, like that the far majority have, it, it, it's like gets drowned out by the, that, that, that negativity that um, is like so jarring in comparison and, uh, I think it needs to be kind of counteracted in some way. Yeah. Oh, I think like something interesting that you mentioned to me in the meeting that we had a few days ago was that, you know, culture and how that comes into like modesty because um, um, how, for example, like in a like Asian culture, maybe like the way that they wear hijab or the fact that they don't wear it at all or in some African countries, like they wear like turbans um, and that's very acceptable, like where they wear in those countries but again like someone said like mainstream islam in the west yes we know what the proper hijab is um but often it's to do with the upbringing um as how we practice it today uh, that's such a good point to end on uh thank you so much uh for for joining uh i really enjoy talking to hafsa and abdia yeah, and thank you. Um, i'm so glad that other people are interested in this topic as much as we are to and, repeat it absolutely yeah. i could talk forever about this yeah <laughs> so. oh, thank, thank you so much okay. Fariha. Assalamualaikum. Uh, Islam. But yeah thanks thanks everybody so much and i uh, hope you tune into mauda uh, next time we do I hope you enjoyed this discussion just as much as I did. Thank you to Hafsa Lodi for joining us as well for this podcast live. Please continue the conversation over on our Instagram underneath this Instagram live post.